0: Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the
1: Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to yet another episode of Power to the Pod here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, the managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire Director, Scouting, of the Network.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Excited to turn things over once again. It's Tuesday. To each and every one of you, we're going to do our best to cover as much ground as we possibly can. As is always the case on Power to the Pod, just your questions, topics. I saw a couple non-football topics. We'll tackle at least one of them here on the show today. Starting with some iTunes reviews. We'll make sure we get a chance to hit up the Twitter questions. We get a bunch of engagement on that throughout the day yesterday on Memorial Day. So without further ado, it's your show. Let's see what is on your mind as the Miami Dolphins pod powered by our own Dolphins pod. Uh, The first question, ironically enough, comes from Aquaman on iTunes. Five stars. Hit or miss half twos. First and foremost, thank you for the review. It's my... uh, says, it's my go-to I'm having my first dose of Liquid Love coffee each morning. Knowing the hit or miss rate for draft selections and to an extent free agent signings, what three players other than Tua do the Dolphins absolutely have to hit on to close the gap on the elite teams in the NFL? Well, I, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to choose to look at this, Aquaman, uh, from a total team acquisition standpoint this past offseason, and I'm going to start first and foremost with one of Jalen Waddell and Will Fuller, and if we were only going to get one that was going to be a hit, ideally it would be Waddle because he's locked in on a rookie contract, uh, he's a draft selection, so of course building through the draft and, and you know not having to face down that opportunity cost uh, is a much greater long-term benefit to Miami than Will Fuller being on a one-year deal which if things don't materialize, okay, you move on, and you take that money, that $10 million plus, and you spend it somewhere else next offseason. So I'd say number one is Jalen Waddell. Number two, <laughs> Jalen Phillips. Uh, the Dolphins need more dynamic pass rushers who can win in one-on-one situations. And from Jalen Phillips' perspective, he has every opportunity to do that, but with Emmanuel Ogbin a contract year and Kyle Van Noy off the roster and Shaq Lawson off the roster, Jalen Phillips is going to need to step into a prominent role for this team right away. The good news, uh, and I said this before the draft, I thought Jalen Phillips had the best defensive tape of any prospect in the 2021 NFL draft. They got him due to uh, the concerns with some medical stuff, uh, the, the terms of his departure from UCLA. All those things combined, Jalen Phillips, you know, staying in Miami, I, I like our odds on that one. The third one, if I'm going to look at the Dolphins for 2021, I think my long-term point of view would probably be Liam Eikenberg. Uh, but if I'm looking at 2021, I think I need Bernard McKinney to show out and be very, very effective run-stuffing linebacker with some third-down skills. Uh, as a pressure player and, and the Dolphins in their five-o package and you know, overlows and trying to keep the same personnel on the field and play multiple, uh, they're going to have opportunities for twists and stunts and three-man games on one half of the line of scrimmage and manufacturing, uh, trying to get the offensive line to go into either slide protection or straight man-on-man and then you, you stunt up front and you get them all twist up and create free runners. And I think uh, Bernardrick McKinney for the 2021 season is a name that comes to mind that Uh, Miami obviously didn't spend too much to bring him into the fray, uh, and they will not have to pay the bonuses on his contract, so he's at a fairly friendly financial rate. But if he lives up to his potential, that's going to be a game-changer for the Dolphins' defense. Question for Power to the Pod from Sam. Love the show. Two questions. Oh, you're trying to sneak to it. We'll see how quality your questions are, Sam. I may only take one. Who knows? I know you've refrained from talking to Sean Watson trade rumors. Bill Barnwell came out with a three-team trade, including Miami acquiring Aaron Rodgers and sending two to Pittsburgh. Miami gives up the two San Francisco ones and a Pittsburgh one to Green Bay to get Rodgers. Of the two quarterbacks, who would your preference be to acquire and what package would you send to get that star quarterback? And question number two, I had a baby girl about two months ago. I know your daughter is a bit older than mine. What have you learned so far about being a dad that the rest of his girl dads should know? Okay, that's a great one. I will take both of these questions. Um, I think any move that the Dolphins make that is a huge splash should be a move that is made with the long-term outlook in mind just as long, uh, just as much as the short-term uh, payoff. So, you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers... I don't think Aaron Rodgers... Makes too much sense for Miami in that Aaron Rodgers is going to play what three years? And while those three years could be very very bright, and you're talking about a guy who's coming off the MVP, uh, Miami is building this thing to build a long-term sustained winner. And if you trade for Aaron Rodgers and you give up a bunch of premier assets to go and get it, um, what do you do when he's gone? What kind of position are you in to find somebody else that could take the man to long-term? Uh, so to answer your question without specifically answering your question, Aaron Rodgers for Miami is, it'd be phenomenal as far as the short-term payout, but I worry about the long-term longevity, and therefore I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Dolphins. Uh, the closer we get to the season, obviously that there was a time in the early portion of the offseason where you know I may have been a little bit more open-minded to... Making a big splash, but at this point, the Dolphins have kind of aligned themselves to let Tua Tungvaloa have this season and see what he's able to do with it. And um, Unless it's a deal that is just from a price perspective absolutely positively too good to be true, and I don't think giving up three ones uh, would be that, then let's ride with Tua and see what Tua has got this year. And we can reassess at the end of 2021 based on his performance, if he's a limiting factor, if he's an accelerating factor, and have all those kinds of conversations. As far as being a girl dad, um, once the initial awe of a tiny human being added into your life wears off, uh, I would say it gets more and more gratifying every single day uh, because as they start to develop a personality. And first of all, congratulations to you, Sam. That's extremely exciting news. I'm excited for you and happy for you guys. Um but as that personality starts to come out and comes some of the cognitive awarenesses there where they see your face and they see your smile and they smile back at you. It's game over at that point, man. Uh so if you have not hit that point Sam yet, I would just say be mentally prepared for that because you think you love her now. Uh we're she'll be six months uh, in less than two weeks and uh, we're, we're really seeing this bright-eyed young Miami Dolphins fan blossom before our eyes and it is just the, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me so congratulations to you guys seriously. Long time first time from DRock I adopted you from Travis and I have not missed an episode first and foremost appreciate you making the transition I know there were a lot of loyal listeners to Lockdown Dolphins who were extremely loyal to Travis and I know I'm not Travis. Uh, I do my best to put my own imprint on Locked On Dolphins, and uh, I take that very seriously because I have a great deal of respect for Travis and, and him. And I are close friends and uh, want to make sure I do right by all the sweat equity that he built into uh, this great podcast. So it's been an excellent ride this far. My question: Are we seriously rolling with Miles Gaskin as our starting running back? Uh, to which I would answer to you, D Rock. Uh, who else is out there at this point? Todd Gurley, no thank you. Le'Veon Bell, no thank you. I don't know if you guys saw Le'Veon Bell's comments. Uh, he said, no, no more rush decisions. I'll sign with the team on my terms this time around. Uh, no more uh, BS to, to lie to me and get me to sign with their team. Uh, everything's on my terms now. Something along those lines. Uh, but this is the same guy who signed with Kansas City. And then said after he signed with Kansas City, if I I could have signed with Miami and got a little bit more work, but I would rather go play in Kansas City. So he'd rather play for a place that's gonna give him less touches and get to the offseason and be mad that the team he signed with didn't give him touches. I'm not particularly interested in Lev Bell personally. Um Uh, The whole bone I had to pick with him when he first hit the market was the Dolphins' offensive line could not sustain blocks. And you're taking a guy who's not overly explosive in short areas and is one of the more patient runners in the NFL, and you're going to take one of the guys who takes the longest to press up into the line of scrimmage and find a hole, and you're going to ask him to run behind an offensive line that can't really sustain their blocks. It's a bad combo. And I'm I'm still not necessarily sure that Le'Veon Bell makes sense for Miami, even amongst the uh, tweaks and amendments. That have been made. I think the Dolphins' offensive line will be better, but if everything else is right on the offense, uh, then Miles Gaskin can be the prominent back. I wouldn't call him the feature back, uh, the starter. Sure, uh, I don't think this is necessarily a position that is I'm sold on long term. Uh, but Miles Gaskin did give us enough production on a per game per touch basis last year. That let's see if he can stay healthy for 17 games. Uh, I like what they have Malcolm Brown behind him. Malcolm Brown kind of fits the MO of the Jordan Howard type, um, productive in the Ram Zone style offense. So, yeah, I think this is it. I think the guys we got are the guys we're rolling with. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, tail lights, motor oils, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com, has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action, whether it's the NBA, the MLB, NHL, or UFC. You can make sure to catch all of the critical sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available at Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. As teams prepare their runs to the playoffs, whether it is baseball, which is just starting with a long season, or... Or the NHL and NBA, which are into their playoffs now, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Marty, I'm assuming this is from Marty. Confused but excited. Review on the show. Enjoy the pod, man. One day we'll try a built bar because of you, man. I cannot wait for this day. I was in- listening to your. Coach's interview pod, and it had me wondering do you think the fallout with Minka is why they are giving Noah and Javon only one duty to learn initially, or was Minka just a crybaby? I think um, Minka coming from Alabama and getting caught up in all of the whirlwind around the uh, Dolphins' rebuild and how traumatic the open to the season was Um, certainly was probably the final nail in the coffin. But Minka, it seemed like, knew what he wanted to be and knew who he needed to be utilized as and did not trust a rookie head coach to put him in a position to be successful. And that's a shame uh, because if you trusted your coach, you wouldn't have had to transition to Pittsburgh. And I know there was a a nice regular season payoff for Pittsburgh. Um, But at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, Pittsburgh has not won a whole lot more games than the Dolphins have. They won one more in 2020, and they won three more in 2019. So since that transition's been made, you're talking about two teams that have had relatively similar End-game results. Um, and Minka is not a player for all of his greatness in coverage and how well he's been accentuated there uh, in Pittsburgh. He's missed 35 tackles in three seasons, which is a missed tackle rate for his career through his first three games of 14%. Um, that kind of versatility, the, the kind of versatility and intelligence that he has If you're not going to tackle that well, uh, it's problematic. So you need to practice getting off of blocks and coming to balance in space and learning how to tackle when you're in support. And Minka presumably didn't want to do that with the Dolphins. So he went to Pittsburgh and they played him in single high. And by the end of that season, uh, he was complaining about not being used in a more versatile role. So, you know, maybe Minka should just become a defensive coordinator and his own position coach and, and help with the game plan and put himself in the position every week where uh he's satisfied with what he's being asked to do, uh, so that there's no qualms or, or uh emotions or things that feel like they need to be said on his behalf to explain why uh he disappeared for the final stretch of two thousand and nineteen. Uh, I don't know. I I think I answered your question. Uh, my thoughts on that situation, uh, and I think for Noah and Javon, you want to put young players in the best position to be successful. And I think the, the big point of emphasis, and I guess you never really know, right, um, but you want to draft guys who love the game, who are team first. And you know, Minka had glowing reviews from Nick Saban, uh, but Brian Flores comes in here and has a little different way of doing things. And I think, I don't know if Minka read too many headlines and got all gun-shy or what, Uh, but for a guy who had glowing football character, uh, he was certainly worried about himself at the end of his time with Miami. Next question comes from Dan. Since Shane Gailey was hired to coach Fitzpatrick, and we know this because Tua wasn't drafted yet, and Tua admits the offense was simplified, and he didn't know the playbook in an in-depth manner, and Brian Flores is all about winning, doesn't this suggest that Brian Flores was forced to start Tua last year since Flores only wants to win and starting Tua last year was all about development for this upcoming year? I've seen a little bit of this from a number of different places and I've. I wish there was an easy answer here. Um, because at the end of the day, Tua and his ball security was something that was more helpful in helping the Dolphins win football games than Ryan Fitzpatrick on the events in which he had the lapses in ball security. Uh, to his accuracy was an upgrade over Ryan Fitzpatrick. But the give and take is you have to run a much more simplified offense because Tua has yet to master a brand new playbook. And it's not like you can just take a bunch of plays from Alabama and say, okay, we're going to copy and paste these, and we're going to print them in the new playbook, and we're going to put them in this week, and everybody's going to be expected to learn them and execute them at the highest level despite the fact that you took the last six months to learn a totally different offense. So if you're just looking from a does Tua give you a better chance to win games in 2020 perspective, I think there are some arguments to be made, and it's deciding to weigh that out versus the limitations from a play and scheme perspective. What I don't want to do is speak ignorantly or go too far down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole or anything like that. Um, But that is something that has crossed my mind as well, as far as it is just, it's kind of curious, right? And and, then you wonder what all of the dynamics that went into that decision being made when it was made. And um, I would certainly have loved to have been a fly on the wall for those conversations for that decision being made so that we knew what criteria they were choosing to value or not. But I I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole there. Uh, Next question comes from Wayne, one and four. Hey, brother, really appreciate your show. You break a lot of things down for football fans at all levels of knowledge. Thank you. Uh, What I mean by that is it doesn't matter whether you're a seasoned former football player who knows all the lingo or terminology or just a Sunday sit-down-on-the-couch fan. Your approach makes it very enjoyable for all fans who listen. I really appreciate that feedback, Wayne, so thank you. I really believe the first five games of 2021 are going to show us who we are this year. I'm actually kind of nervous that we start one and four, or at best two and three if I'm right, and we don't finish the first five games with at at least three and two, is it time to hit the panic button? How do you think we'll do? Uh, It it is a very challenging stretch. Of course, you have Tampa Bay in there. You have the Colts in there. You have the Bills and Patriots in there. You also have a West Coast trip to the Raiders in there. If this Dolphins team is who we think they are, one and four would be very surprising to me. This is a mentally resilient team. You actually have some continuity from a personnel perspective for bringing people back. And I know that's a question I saw on the Twitter side of things for fan questions. So uh, I'll try and go into a little bit more in depth there when I get the chance. But uh, two and three is manageable. Is it ideal? No. Would I love to be three and two or better coming out of there? Absolutely. If it's one and four, do you hit the panic button? I think it depends on what it looks like. Uh, it, it's not going to look promising for postseason. Uh, obviously, the the law of averages says that that is going to be a steep hill to climb. And although this is unprecedented with 17 regular season games for the first time ever, I won't hit the panic button. Depending on how it looks, if Tua looks lost, and the receivers aren't on the same page with the the passer, and the team can't run the ball, and they're getting gouged over the middle of the field again, and deep crossers, playing too much man coverage, then yes. If all those things are going wrong in your one and you're 1-4, then I'll probably be uh, very, very concerned here on the podcast. Um, but if they're competitive, if they get a bad bounce here or there, uh, they have a bad injury uh, that, that kind of costs somebody a month or so of time, and it's it's a game-changer, then I will I would be encouraging, and it, there's a much higher probability that no matter how things play out, I'm going to be encouraging everybody, stay the course, stay patient. Obviously, we were all had high hopes, but um, first of all, let's play the games. Uh, but I don't think two and three is outside the realm of possibility. I would be very surprised if they start one and four, no matter how much they struggle. Last review question comes from Jine Poo. I think I'm saying that right. I don't know. Uh, Five star review, quality work and information. Thank you for the review of the show. Big fan of you and your work. Brings me some normalcy while in deployment. First and foremost, thank you for your time and service. Really appreciate your sacrifices. Power of the pod question. While I'm believer in Tua, I think he has a high ceiling. I wonder as much as on a built as I munch on a built bar. If Miami could or should go the Tampa route and make a play for a a run? Oh, so it's an Aaron Rodgers question. I think Miami has a stout enough defense and enough weapons that they could compete for championships the moment he is signed. Your thoughts? Yeah, Miami is top-level quarterback play away from being a legitimate 12-13 win team and a persistent presence in the playoffs. But as I said earlier, the challenge with entertaining that with Aaron Rodgers is A, the price that's going to have to be paid. Now, you do feel good that they had the 2021 draft and they had the chance to secure those players to add another layer of really uh, more than normal young top level talent to the roster. Uh, So if they did go make a big splash, uh, you'd at least have two years worth of a major surplus in draft picks uh, to kind of help bridge the gap. But at the same time, the short-term payoff for a team that has made every other move with an eye towards the future and building long-term uh, would be surprising to me. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers is great. And Tua Tagovailoa is capable, based on who he was at Alabama, of being a top-flight quarterback in his own right. We need to see a major step forward. Uh, but the best thing for the Dolphins is Tua Tagovailoa to take that step forward so that you think you potentially have 12-plus years of that caliber play locked in on your team already without having to give any extra assets. So, I don't think it's a hot take to say that Aaron Rodgers is better than Tua Tagovailoa. But your investments aren't just made for an immediate payoff, right? And, and Miami, they've positioned themselves where they're going to be competitive for a while if you get quarterback right. But you don't have to push all your chips in on the table. In the here and now, especially with their cap space situation being the way that it is for 2021, um, in order to try and make that happen, you can go find a splash opportunity, but make sure you know what you have first, is kind of my perspective on it. And for me, that is defined as to a tongue of Aloha based at this point in the offseason with who's available and what their track records are and what their forecast is moving forward from here, 2021, I'm in on Tua having that opportunity so we know what we have. Speaking of Built Bars, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Not only is it a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, it is the world's most delicious protein bar, scientifically proven according to me. Whether you're looking for something breakfast or lunch or dinner, you're looking for something post-workout, something for dessert, something keto-friendly, you name it, Built Bar can be it. We're talking high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on all of their bars. Built Bar has a ton of different flavors to choose from, and right now you can save 15% on your next order by visiting builtbar.com and using promo code lock 15 So find out what all the fuss is about for yourselves, visit billbar.com, use promo code LOCK15, save 15% on your next order at billbar.com, and thank me later.
0: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked prices are based on rating plans that vary by state coverage options are selected by the customer availability amount of discounts and savings and eligibility vary by state
1: twitter question time i'm gonna do my best to work quickly 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 since we are uh coming up here on the end of the show first one from danny what are you grilling today and what are you washing it down with this is a great question for its uh About 8.30 p.m. on Memorial Day, sitting down recording the podcast. I got a little bit of leftover, uh, a nice red, a classy red wine to go with the uh, steak, chicken, portobello mushrooms, grilled them all up on the grill. Had a really nice time. Uh, So that's what I did for Memorial Day. I was out on the grill uh, in the afternoon. The next question comes from Boyd. Looking into next season, who do you think brings more value for us performance-wise and money-wise, Gesecki or Parker? I could see us extending one, but I don't see us extending both unless Fuller's an absolute flop. Uh, I guess looking at Parker's contract, it isn't about extending him, but maybe we look to trade him if we want to extend Gesecki. I realize they don't play the same position, but if we do extend Fuller, then we have a huge amount of cap in our pass catchers. Miami this past year was a surprisingly high amount of money rolled into the wide receiver room and uh, didn't get a lot of value out of it. So I think you'll see some continued changes there. Uh, Whether or not it's Parker versus Gusecki or not, I think is uh, an interesting look at it. Uh, You can make the argument based on how much Mike Gesecki plays in the slot that they could classify him at least internally as a wide receiver. Uh, He played in the slot for a vast majority of his reps. So maybe that's the explanation for Hunter Long. And Mike's certainly not going to give you a great deal of value as a blocker in there. So uh, yeah, if you got Kiseki and he ends up being considered a wide receiver internally, and then you got Preston Williams and Devante Parker, and uh, you kind of got a lot in that group, but it flies directly in the face of what you're trying to become with Waddle and Fuller being on the roster. So How many mouths do you want to be able to feed from a size perspective? Uh, Would not be surprised if there's some change of some kind. And uh, I think this is a big year for Devontae Parker. He obviously had the huge year in 2019. 2020 was a step back. Uh, There was some frustrating availability issues once again. He obviously got a new contract after the 2019 season. So I think he's got a lot to prove. Uh, I don't necessarily know if they'd move on from him before the season, though. Tone Toto, indirect Finn's question. Why aren't the Giants mentioned on the Watson talk? They have average quarterback who's been given a chance in two picks in the first round. I guess I just don't get the Tua disrespect. Love the show. Keep it up as I really look forward to it every morning. Well thanks for listening. Uh the the Tua disrespect, that I know there were a number of different questions about Tua and why does the media hate Tua and why does the t- media hate the Dolphins and so on and so forth? This is the price that you pay when you have a college superstar household name. He becomes very polarizing because people either choose to love him or they choose to hate him, and that's just the way people are, unfortunately, and for a lot of people that are close to the Dolphins, as far as having the Dolphins close to their hearts, it's real easy to buy into. But for other people to constantly hear about Tua, and then to not know the full context of why he's being brought out of games or to see that he's getting hurt on a yearly basis as he was perceived to have been at Alabama, uh, th- there's some narratives that start to to fill and people wonder, well, why are they talking about this guy instead of talking about this other guy that I like or this other guy that's on my team that I feel like should get more attention and they're talking about this guy instead. I think it's just kind of the nature of sports fandom. But... Um, Yeah, I I think any team that has the opportunity to land an elite quarterback that doesn't have one uh, should take a real hard look at what they have and ask themselves if it's a move worth making or not, the Giants included, Tone. So that's kind of how I view that. Uh, D. Wildemuth. Smoked versus grilled meat, which is king. Should Miami look into Julio Jones? Um, I'm out on Julio. I think the Dolphins have, have made a... A lot of good strides with their wide receiver room uh, to tailor to what Tua has done well historically going back to Alabama. So Julio Jones, he's going to cost a two-plus. He's got a lot of cap that you'd have to bring on. Uh, We're already talking about how we have too many guys from a size perspective. Julio's 32, so you're not getting a long-term payout. That's the big struggle for me with a lot of the household names that are perceived to be on the market, Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones, the long-term payout for a team that has aligned themselves to to be ready to compete. It'd be one thing if you were bringing in a guy off the street, uh, a longtime veteran who's established but doesn't have a team. You sign him to a one-year deal, you bring him in, great. That makes all the sense in the world. But to trade premier assets for these guys kind of flies in the face of the ideologies we've seen from the Dolphins thus far. So anybody they bring in that's a big addition I think would be a guy who's in his prime would have to be, regardless of position, how they choose to tackle that. As far as smoked versus grilled meat, I have a grill. I don't have a smoker. I love the taste of smoked meat, but uh, I'm going to go with the grill because that's what I can do and I've had a lot of practice there, so I get it the way that I like it. We got a couple more, including this shameless reach out from Brian, which I respect the hell out of, brother. How you doing, man? Kyle, not a question, but this is my attempt to get you to go to the, the Dolphins game in Nashville against the Titans this year so I can buy you a drink. You like whiskey and bourbon, literally what Tennessee and Kentucky are known for. You like bars and music. Nashville has one of the best music scenes in the country. You like food, bro, uh, barbecue, and hot chicken. Enough said. Power to the pod. So I had the fortune to go to Nashville for the draft in 2019, the year that it was there, and uh, was there with the draft network, and we did a live show at STK and had a chance to go to one of the hot chicken places, and we went out on uh, the main stretch there. Hollywood, I think is what it's called, and did a couple rooftop bars, and it was phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, assuming that, uh, that I can get clear in the midst of draft season, uh, that would certainly be a game that I have circled uh, and have my eye on, especially if you're promising to buy me a drink. Professional button pusher. Let's wrap with this one. And that, there were a lot more great questions. So if I did not get to yours, keep an eye out for uh, Dolphins Wire. I will probably convert some of this over into written content over there because they're great questions. And if not, I may have a chance to address some of these throughout the course of the rest of the week. So hit subscribe on the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a show Monday through Friday, every week, regardless, season, off-season, draft season, doesn't matter hit subscribe. We got three more shows this week. Lots of great content ahead of us. Uh, The other week you said it was good that we have New England and some others early on the schedule, given that they have a lot of new moving parts to bed in with Fuller, Waddle, Eichenberg, and so on. Isn't the same true for us? Couldn't that advantage also be an advantage for the opposition too? If not, why? Well, let's look at this from a week one perspective, right? Um, Will Fuller will not play in that game, which is a bummer. Um, Jalen Waddell, one of the things that he he does not have any NFL experience, but one of the things that he does have is experience catching passes from Tua Tonga Valoa. It's a nice added bonus if you're going to onboard a guy into a role on your offense that he caught passes for two years from your quarterback. So I think that that will position him and aid him in his transition to the pro game. But you look at the rest of the roster on both sides of the football. Because, I, yes, there's going to be key guys on either roster, uh, on either side of the line of scrimmage, that are new or in new places. But if you just read through the Dolphins' depth chart from players who were on the roster last year versus not, going into Week 1, the way we perceive things to be right now, and I'm going to admit Will Fuller because he can't play Week 1 because I'm just looking at Week 1 against the Patriots. Devontae Parker. Jalen Waddle, either Preston Williams or Lin Bowden Jr. or whoever else, Albert Wilson, uh, who did not play last year but uh, is familiar with his organization. If you want to argue with me if it's going to be Albert Wilson, that's fine. I would expect it will probably be Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Preston Williams, uh, presuming Preston uh, is somebody they, they could stay committed to. I know he's really cheap, but they we've already talked about the size conflict there in the wide receiver room. Who do you give up? Who do you not give up? Let's say it's those three. So you got two guys that were on the roster last year, caught passes from Tua, plus Waddle, who was well established with Tua for two years. Offensive line, Austin Jackson. Then you got Solomon Kinley, Matt Skurra. Okay, there's a new starter. So you got two new starters, one of which played two years of college ball with Tua. Robert Hunt, starter last year. Lee Meikenberg. So you got two new starters both on the offensive line. Mike Isecki, Miles Gaskin offensively, you're looking at a lot of the same guys. You're looking at potentially two new starters in Week 1. Center, which nobody's going to spend more time with Tua than Matt Skura as far as getting those snaps right. And a rookie right tackle. So that's a a big spot. Defensively, Wilkins, Davis, Agba, Van Ginkle, Jerome Baker, Bernard McKinney. There's a new one. Jalen Phillips, there's a new one. Uh, Byron Jones, Eric Rowe, Xavier Howard, whether it's Noah or even if it's Nick Needham. Maybe it's Justin Coleman, in which case, okay, you got another new name there. So you have approximately, what, six? You got two on offense, and then you've got McKinney, Phillips, Holland, and maybe Slot. So you got five or six new starters if you're the Dolphins. Versus the end of last year, or players that were positioned to be starters regardless of, of health issues. Let's do New England. Kendrick Bourne, new to the roster. Nelson Aguilar, new to the roster. Trent Brown, back on the team, but was not on the team last year. So there's some differences there. Uh, they also lost what they had in Joe Thune. Uh, so it's a big loss, even if the guy Michael Nguyen, who's probably going to step into that role, was on the team last year. Uh, Johnu Smith, Hunter Henry, what if Mac Jones starts? I mean, that's six right there, just on offense. Defensively, Devon Godshall, Matt Judon, Henry Anderson, Kyle Van Noy. You're talking ten guys, just in the starting lineup, and it could be more than that. It could legitimately be more than that, depending on if Christian Barmore makes a push into the starting lineup as a second-round pick or not. Depends on, you know, are they going to hang on to J.C. Jackson? Are they going to move J.C. Jackson? And then Jalen Mills may be taking a starting safety spot for them. So they just ha- they have so many where you look at the Dolphins and eight-plus on both sides of the ball are going to be incumbents with continuity. Versus New England, I mean, you're talking five. You're talking at least half the starting lineup on both sides of the ball are going to be brand new players. So yes, I I do think the players who are in new spots for Miami, Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddle and Javon Holland, those are critical players to Miami's success. But individual mistakes, you know, if you take micro transaction and each new guy makes five or six mistakes across the, the course of a game. For Miami you're talking 20 25 individual mistakes. Uh, for New England, you're talking twice year, you're talking 50 plus mistakes. and that's assuming they only mess up on a handful of plays. You can't play as fast, you're not as confident in what you're supposed to be doing. So I mean we saw this with Miami each of the last two years. a lot of new players. Now granted the 2019 team lacked talent is a big problem but just kind of from the perspective of uh who the critic like if it's a new quarterback it's a challenge Mac Jones is apparently doing quite well and looks to be uh, acing the mental part of the game and it was never questioned the mental side of the game it was the physical talent of Mac Jones well we'll find out real quick how physically talented he is if he gets to start against the Dolphins in week one we're talking Carson Wentz in week four new quarterback so kind of to the point that was alluded to earlier in the show, uh, that is the value, that is one of the big values of getting to a Valoa starting experience at the end of last year. You know what you have, you know what his strengths are, you can evaluate him appropriately, you give him, time to, you give him a long time, a full offseason to correct some of the common mistakes that he made. Any new quarterback coming into a new system or, or playing with new players uh, isn't going to have that luxury. You're going to have to do it on the fly. And sometimes that lags a few weeks behind when you start making mistakes. As I said already, Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins, power to the pod, in the books. Thanks as always for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe, follow along, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hope to see you guys again tomorrow.